I want to start a new series tonight called God is Good, and I'm if, just to full disclosure, I'm pulling it, a lot of this from a book called Bill Johnson called God is Good that I've been reading and so forth, but it started before I even ordered this book and read it, I was, and I've heard, you've heard me say it before, but I was vacuuming right there. And I had the backpack vacuum on. I look like Ghostbusters, and I'm going along. Got my headphones on, listening to a podcast. Actually, not by Bill Johnson, but somebody in their church. And the guy's saying, you know, we've always heard Bill Johnson talk about that God is in a good mood. And it just hit me, just as I was vacuuming right there in that spot, that God is in a good mood. Have you, have you ever had that opportunity when you were going to go ask your mom or dad for something and you waited for the right opportunity to ask them? We always could tell when my mom was in no mood for anything, but you waited till she was in a good mood or you waited till dad was in a good mood to ask them. And I think that we a lot of times treat God in the same manner that we are not, we don't even know what kind of mood he's in. We hope he's in a good mood. But I'm here to tell you that we have evidence through the word of God that God is in a good mood. Let me read you this first part of this story in Mark 21. It said, And after Jesus returned across the sea, a large crowd quickly followed him so that he stayed by the sea. And one of the leaders of the synagogue, a man named Jairus, came and fell at Jesus' feet. I, I, I think we need more of falling at Jesus' feet in our day. Begging him to heal his daughter. My daughter is dying, said Jairus, and she's only 12 years old. Please come into my house. Just place your hands on her. I know that if you do, she will live. And Jesus began to travel toward Jairus' home. Father, we thank you for the authority of your word. God, we ask you to open up our hearts and our lives to receive tonight exactly what you have from us in Jesus, for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 35, and while he was speaking, some of the members of Jairus' household pushed through the crowd. And Jairus' servant said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. There's no need to drag the teacher any further. Have you ever had anything in your life that you thought was hopeless and dead? Jesus overheard these words and then he turned and looked at Jairus. And I love this next interaction with Jesus and Jairus. He said, he looks at him, he said, it's all right. Don't be afraid. Just believe. That I'm comforted from a reality that Jesus instantly knew what was going through. Can you imagine that you find out your 12-year-old daughter is dead. And immediately Jesus knew how to interact. And he said, it's all right. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus asked everybody. He arrives at Jairus' house. Jesus asked everybody but Peter, James, and John, James's brother, to remain outside. And when they reached Jairus' home, inside the synagogue's leader's house, the mourning had already begun. The weeping and the wailing carrying on into the street. And Jesus and his Three disciples went inside. This is crazy. Jesus said, why are you making all this sorrowful noise? The child is dead, isn't dead, she's just asleep. This is, listen to what happens right here. The mourners laughed a horrible, bitter laugh and went back to their wailing. You are messed up if you can go from laughing to wailing all in the same moment. Jesus cleared the house 
so that only his three disciples, Jairus and Jairus' wife, were left inside with him. And they went, all went into the child where the child lay. Then he took the child's hand, and I love this. Jesus says, little girl, it's time to wake up. We need more of a, and this, this, can I let you know, this is out of a, a version called The Voice. And I've lo- I just love the way this paraphrase, it's not really a translation, but a paraphrase of the Bible reads. And I actually have an extra copy of The Voice I've been trying to give away. So if you want that extra copy, I'll have to bring it to you next week. But I love the way Jesus, he says, little girl, it's time to wake up. She wasn't asleep. She was dead. But Jesus changed everything. Immediately, the 12-year-old little girl opened her eyes, arose, and began to walk. And her parents could not believe their eyes. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you have heard that story before? The question is, one thing I love about the Bible is the Bible speaks to every generation, no matter how old or young we are, the Bible can speak to us in a profound way. And maybe we've heard that story before, but the question is, this is something really cool that, that happened in the time that Jesus was here, but maybe, just maybe, Jesus was trying to get something more profound across to us than a 12-year-old little girl coming back to life. Your feelings. By the way, did everybody get a fill-in and a, and a pen? If you didn't, raise your hand and we'll get that to you really quick. Does anybody need fill-ins and pens? Do we have any available? Bradley, we're good? Okay. Your first fill-in. What is God's heart toward people? That's what we asked in, in uh, our, our hot spots is, do real, people really think that God is good. And the answer, the answer is that God's heart toward people is always good. God is always in a good mood. That's your next one. I'm sorry. God is in a good mood. And I like this. And he's in a good mood toward me right now. Have you ever heard people think that God was punishing them? Or trying to teach them a lesson through something real difficult or not happy with them. And so he was causing them to go through something difficult. And I hope by the end of the night you realize that that's not God. But I can't, we can say that God is always for us. I like be, and we have evidence right here in Hebrews where it says that let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That the instruction that comes from Hebrews is that God's throne room is an open door. And not only are we welcome to come before him, but the word of God says in Hebrews that we can come before him in confidence. What is the confidence? The confidence that is that he is good. The other part of that confidence is not only is he good, but he is also for us. And he wants God wants to help me. That you can say that without a shadow of doubt, that God wants to help me. God's heart is toward what I need right now. There may be things in our lives that no one else knows that we need but God. And he knows what you need. Here's the cool part. And he wants to provide what you need. God's heart I'm sorry, God welcomes me to where he is. That in Hebrews it says we can come boldly, not to a church. 
we can come boldly not to a minister. We can come boldly not to somebody that's super spiritual, but we have a direct line, direct access, direct influence into the very presence of God. This is kind of interesting, your next feeling. People think that God is hard to figure out. I've thought that. Have you ever had a frustrated time in your life where you did not have answers to what was going on? Have you ever, and I can say this, I've had this. Have you ever had a time in your life where you, where you thought, God, what are you doing? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Why, why do I have to endure this? His ways are mysterious, but not to those who know him. God takes us to a place where we can know what he's up to. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and this is God speaking. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Inside the heart of God are good things for me right now. How do I know? Because in Jeremiah it says that his, he, and have you ever been misunderstood by somebody? Have you ever had somebody come up and accuse you of something that you knew was not right? I've had that where people have said, you did this, and then you did this, and then you did this, and you hurt me when you did this. And, and you sit back and say, first of all, that was never my intention. Have you ever said this? Had I known that I was hurting you, I wouldn't have done that. Had I known that that was going to be hurtful towards you, I would have never done that. Have you, ever, have you ever had that experience? But how many times do we think that God is out to hurt us? That he's out to disappoint us at times. That he's out to take his hands off the wheel of our life and say, you're on your own when it comes to this. And nothing could be further from the truth because inside the heart of God for me right now is nothing but pure good in everything that I'm facing. I like this right here. John, 1 John 3, 8, 3, 8 says, For this reason the Son of God or Jesus appeared. Why did he appear? To destroy the works of the devil. We wonder why Jesus came, <laughs> and, I, and it wasn't just to have cool, miraculous stories. I believe that was part of it, but he was making known to people that I showed up to destroy every single work that the enemy has. One of Jesus' purpose in coming was to demonstrate what his father was like. I think if we get a hold of this... Because we just read one story, and the Bible is full of stories. That we read one story about a man with a 12-year-old daughter that was at the point of death. And at this 12-year-old daughter who eventually died, and Jesus makes his way to her. And in making his way to her, he says she's only asleep. And he tells her, little girl, it's time to get up. She gets up. Her parents are amazed. What was the purpose in the other than a very nice biblical story other than Jesus saying, I want to demonstrate to you how my father is and how my father is is that I showed up 
for him to demonstrate to you that I'm willing to destroy every single work the enemy has over you. Jesus was the first to show us that we would refer to God as our Father. When we think about the Lord's Prayer, our Father, that was not common at all. As a matter of fact, you would have been looked at like you were an alien from Mars if you showed up in a synagogue and started praying our Father. We pray like that all the time. If we'd say the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus revolutionized the way people thought when he shows up and he says, I want you guys to start referring to God as our Father. Like, what? Yeah, he's our dad. When it comes to my life, God's plan is to destroy every evil plan the enemy has for me. I thought about this and how it works with, so I brought all my props. Y'all just thought I'd, you think, these going a long time without having any props because I usually like my props. Well, I brought my props. Don't worry. And this is Melinda's old ratty uh, towel that she brought. Melinda, what y'all just, y'all bathe y'all's dogs with these? Or what is it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Taylor uses this. So I went and I found me a cup at Walmart that I wrote on there in Sharpie, the enemy's plan for whatever. And this cup in its state is useful for whatever we would use it for. Do we have any coffee lovers in the house? Any coffee? Do we have any tea? <laughs> do we have any tea lovers in the house? What do, you, what do you put in tea? What do you, honey? Nothing? Cream? Just honey? Yeah, cream? I need to try that sometime. Do we have any hot chocolate people in the house? Any hot chocolate people? All right. So you, what else would you put in this thing? Cereal? Soup? Or something like that. So here is the enemy's plan that he had, that this cup as it is has a purpose. And the Bible says that the enemy goes around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking whom he may devour. That He is up to no good right now, but Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to demonstrate what my father is like. And he says, my father sent me in, just like, is it up there still? That, can you go back up to the scripture before that? The first John one. For this reason, the son of God appeared was to destroy That's why I was hoping it wouldn't do. Oopsie. Did I, I didn't get anybody, did I? I think I'm going to take this to dwell and see what they can do with it. I brought my own cup. Fill her up. Cup of Joe, please. What happened? Now, wouldn't it be stupid if I went home and I put this in the dishwasher? I'm going to use it tomorrow. <laughs> Have my coffee in the morning, right in this. No, because what happened with this? Its purpose was destroyed. I wonder how many things in my life that I know that the enemy has tried to take me out with that Jesus has already said my purpose, Jonathan, was to come into your life and destroy the work of the devil. That as far as God is concerned, this is what his plan is for everything in your life that is set out to take you out. Not just misuse. It'd be one thing if I poured dirt in this cup. It'd be one thing if I... Uh, 
uh, I don't know, tried to take the finish off of it. But this cup right here has been rendered useless with a hammer. And Jesus declared in 1 John that I showed up to destroy everything the enemy has done. So this goes, on to, this goes to show me that God really is good. How, my, how much stuff, I'm going to preach now, how much stuff in my life am I tolerating that God's desire is to destroy? How much in my life am I putting up with and struggling with that God's desire is to destroy it? Can we keep going? Things in my life that, are, that I think are dead. Jairus thought his daughter was gone. God is speaking over them that they're just asleep. What's the lesson? Not that we, that we go around find, trying to find dead 12-year-olds, but the lesson is that God was demonstrating through Jesus that his purpose is good for us and the things that we think are dead that God just says they're just asleep. As soon as I speak over them, they'll live again. I like this in, in John 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, he's speaking to Jesus, show us the Father that we uh, would, that they, I'm sorry, that will be enough for us. <laughs> Philip, you're an idiot. I, I, I don't say I don't I say that kind of in fear and trembling because I probably say something just as stupid as Jesus. Lord, show us the Father that we may that it may be enough for us. Have you ever prayed that prayer to God? God, just show me what you're doing. Help me figure out why I'm in the middle of this. Look what Jesus said. Jesus answered, Do you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, I like this right in here, because anyone has, who has seen me has seen the Father. How can, you, how can you say, show me the Father? And for years, I've read that and thought, oh, well, if they saw Jesus physically, then he was trying to tell them, then you physically have seen what my Father looks like since I'm the Son of God. And I believe that might be part of it. But I think the bigger part of it was that Jesus was saying, if you see how I handle things, then you know exactly how, I, how my Father handles things. And Jesus went around, and when I'm jumping to next weeks, Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were possessed by the devil because God was with them. People that are asking, what does God look like? And he said, let me tell you what he looks like. He walks in where 12-year-old little girls have died and pulls them out of death. That's what my God is like. He wasn't just saying, look at me, then you'll see God. I saw this cute video the other day of, of, the, of the former president. Now, it's kind of weird to say that, but the former president, Barack Obama. And this video was actually trying to, to uh, diminish him, but I thought it was kind of cute. He was at a uh, homeless shelter where, I guess, he and Michelle Obama and, had donated a swing set to these kids that lived at this homeless shelter and so it was all set up and cool, and uh, the president walks into this area where the swing set is, and all these little kids are on the swing, swinging, and this one on the swing, and she goes, hey, you're Barack Obama. She's all on the swing. Little bitty girl, she goes, oh, you're a Barack Obama. He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm Barack Obama. She knew what he looked like. 
And I just, I loved, I loved that interaction. And actually these people were heckling him across the, the way and he went to the fence and just you know, in Barack Obama's classic, whatever he thought of him, he, he was a master in front of people. And he just waves at these people that were heckling him. Uh, but I thought it was just so cute when they, they knew what the, the side of the president looked like. I wonder how much we know what the sight of God looks like, but we really don't know how God is. That we can show up in church and stuff and say, well, yeah, church is what God looks like. But to know what he is like takes us to a place where we understand that God is good in all of his ways. Jesus demonstrated that God our Father is always good. How do we know? And I'm going to go more next week into it. Everywhere he showed up that there was faith, he demonstrated the goodness of God. Whether it was healing people, delivering them from demons, tur- demons turning water into wine, God is always for us. There is no time that I go bef- can go before him that he's not for me. Can I, can I put this in your thinking? There's no time that you'll go before him that he's not in a good mood. There were so many miracles with Jesus to overemphasize that God is always good. Taylor, if you'll come on up to the keyboard. That if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even Acts, and look at all the miracles that happened in Jesus' ministry and the disciples' ministry. Why all these miracles? Why is Jesus going around? Everywhere he shows up, people get healed, delivered, set free, made new. Why? Because that was his gig. That's what he was supposed to do. Hey, I'm Jesus, and we're going to write some cool books about me, and this is going to be the demonstration of who I am, absolutely in part way, but more more, uh, resounding, that he was there to demonstrate, this is what my Father is like, and he is good all the time. Colton, if you'll come up here real quick, I want you to do something for me. Colton is a really good artist. So, Colton, got your sketch pad. I got you a little Sharpie right here. Would you just make us, he, he does art quick. So make us, you know, something real impressive there that we're going to really enjoy. And maybe somebody will buy it and frame it, put it in your living room or your dining room. Oh, man, it's already good. <laughs> oh, Wow. I'm impressed already. Wait till y'all, wait till y'all see this. Oh, look at that. We'll have a line. Somebody's waving their wallet back there. I like the way you think. Thank you, Colton. That's good, man. Let me me remove it from this sketch pad so I don't damage the, the print. Oh. Maybe I should have had a curator do this. Oh, no. We're going to have to trim that. Put a matting around it. That's good, man. Look at that. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. It's got a little, yeah. Now, maybe to Colton's mom, this would be a masterpiece. (laughs) Maybe. 
Were you, have you ever been over to people's house and on their refrigerators like garbage? <laughs> I don't know what is that up there. That's, that's little Johnny's precious nothing. <laughs> this may not be a masterpiece. And no, uh, what do you call it? Museum curator would come and say, yes, that's quite, quite remarkable. We're going to encase that. But... I stole from my mom's house last night. Maybe she doesn't know it's that I took it. But she has this print of the Mona Lisa. It's not the real thing. Because <laughs> we'd have one humdinger of a church if it was. <laughs> Skate parks and everything. <laughs> Rodeo. And I don't know what else we'd have. This is a print of the Mona Lisa. Now, I want to compare the two for a second. Now, this is good, Colton. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but... Most experts would agree that this is okay, but it's probably not a masterpiece. Curators would agree that the original of this is a masterpiece. And why is it a masterpiece? Because it follows the quality of somebody that is a renowned... Was, who, who painted this? Somebody remind me real quick. Da Vinci. Okay, I don't know why I was thinking DiCaprio. All right. <laughs> da Vinci created this masterpiece. Now, this masterpiece in its original state holds the quality of being something that is extremely valuable and has the characteristics of the great artist. Have you ever, lose my notes real quick, have you ever heard people say that God put cancer on that person and I'm just using crazy stuff to get their attention? Have you ever heard somebody say, God put me in this bad situation to teach me something? Have you ever heard somebody say that God took his hands off my life so I would learn something and get closer to him? Now I believe that people go through difficult times. And I believe people learn things in difficult times. And I believe, and I can say this for me, I believe that I there are times that were tough in my life that I got closer to the Lord in those times. But there has never been a time in my life that God used bad things to try to teach me. Because that goes against his nature. Just like this holds the credentials of being of the master of the master artisan. Jesus walking the earth and healing people and raising 12-year-old girls from the dead and the heart of God beating over people to restore them, to heal them, to deliver them, to show them is, are the qualities of the master artisan that calls himself Father. 
So let's never attribute, <laughs> let's never attribute things that aren't masterful. No, no slam. Let's never attribute things that are not masterful to a master artisan. Let's never attribute things that we don't have answers for as the will of God. Let's never attribute things that are harmful and destructive as God's acts of God. It goes against everything that He is. He's good in all His ways. Psalms 103, and I'm going to read more of this next week. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And I love the list that's about to come. Who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns, and, who crowns me with, and is steadfast in love and mercy. And we're going to talk about this next week. Who satisfies me with good things so that my youth is renewed. This is God's heart for me today. My faith determines how I believe in God's goodness. And let me, get, let me help you with something here. Fear will always be the what ifs. Fear will always attribute destruction and destructive things to a good God. Anything that does not inspire, and I love this quote from Bill Johnson, anything that does not inspire hope in my heart is under the influence of a lie. Why? Because it goes against if Jesus walked this earth and had answers and solution and hope for people, then that follows, that follows the characteristics of an artisan God who is here to inspire hope and dreams and purpose and, and, and love in every part of my life. And if it doesn't line up with hope, if it doesn't line up with love, if it doesn't line up with joy, if it doesn't line up with peace, then it is not from Him and it's under the influence of a lie. God designed me to live in His goodness. He designed me to have constant hope that He has good, good things for me.